Welcome to the Hunter's Quest Podcast. This is your host, and yes, my name is Hunter, but this is our quest. And man, I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. Uh, Today, I finally got a chance to sit down with Dan Staten from Elk Shape, and he is a fantastic guy, Um, loves the Lord, loves elk hunting, loves fitness, loves discipline, uh, all the stuff we're about here on the Hunter's Quest, and uh, we have a great conversation uh, about elk hunting. Uh, he tells me the story of his faith journey, just about all kinds of good stuff, guys. It's a really awesome conversation to get you pumped and motivated. Dan is a super hard worker, and he's always hustling, um, but as he says in the episode, which is really cool, he's not a money chaser, he's a time chaser, and he prioritizes what's important in his life which happens to be faith, family, and hunting, something that you guys can relate to, I'm sure. So um, there's a lot you can get from this episode. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Dan. And uh, this one verse I came across uh, this week really exemplifies Dan in this episode. So I want to share it with you really quick. It's Hebrews 12, 11, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And you guys know that's true. Um, Something I talk about a lot and something that Dan is passionate about, uh, discipline. And, uh, you know, it's not always fun while you're doing it, but uh, it pays off. So Hebrews 12, 11, check that out. Next, I just want to say really fast, thank you guys so much for your support, for listening, for your feedback on Instagram, and also all the awesome ratings and reviews that you guys have been leaving me. You know, not only does it help a lot in terms of getting the message out there, uh, but also it just means a lot to me personally when I get those, um, those kind words on my reviews on iTunes, and um, really appreciate it, guys. I hope you'll continue getting value out of this podcast uh, for your progression spiritually, mentally, physically, and uh, as you'll share with your friends. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't done so yet, please leave me a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and smash that subscribe button. And I just got in some really cool decals uh, for the podcast, and I want to go ahead and send those out to a couple guys who have left me reviews on iTunes. So if you have left me a review, listen up. Uh, Matt Ohms, Ridge Reaper 716, Dialects Hunter, and Predators Never Quit. If you guys hear this, uh, shoot me a DM on Instagram. And uh, give me your address, and I'll send you some swag, a couple decals. And uh, if you want a decal um, or a couple decals, go ahead and leave me a rating and a review on iTunes, and I'll pick a random one each week and send you guys out some stuff. So go ahead and do that, and I appreciate it. All right, guys. This is our 10th episode, and we've had some amazing guests so far, but it's just the tip of the iceberg, guys. I have seven or eight awesome episodes already recorded and ready to go to release for you guys. Some big names in the hunting and outdoor industry, some uh, optimal performance authors, uh, some Navy SEALs, 
and some really cool, just awesome guys um, that will help us to grow. And I appreciate you guys being on this journey with me. Uh, I do want to mention real quick on a gear note. I like to talk about good gear when I get my hands on it. And um, the guys at Scree Gear, which is S-K-R-E, um, sent me a bunch of stuff. And um, I've been using it, wearing it during turkey season and out on hikes and stuff like that. Uh, it's great stuff. Um, uh, you know, last year I used Kuyu in my Alaska trip, and um, everything I've seen so far from Scree uh, matches up in terms of quality with Kuyu and performs the same. Um, you know, it is also a little bit more affordable. I will say that. And uh, they've just been a cool company to work with, and I really like their camo patterns. They just came out with a new one, and they're always innovating. And coming out with new products, uh, for example, they just uh, released their new camo pattern, and with that, their uh, merino bottoms are fully zip off and onable, <laughs> however you want to say that. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, I know for a fact they're prototyping some new stuff coming out this fall that I'm excited about. And uh, yeah, so check out Scree Gear, and if you use the code HuntersQuest, you can save 20% on your first order. So that's a really good deal. If you're looking for new gear and you want to get some merino tops and bottoms, some soft shells, even their rain gear, they have some puffies, and use that code HuntersQuest and you will save 20% on that first order. So I recommend Scree Gear, guys. Uh, they're based in Utah and they're good guys. So check them out at ScreeGear.com or you can find them on Instagram at S-K-R-E Gear. Um, and, uh, yeah, use that code, save some money. All right. Enough of that stuff, guys. Thank you again for all your support. And now we're going to jump into this episode and I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with Dan. What's up, Hunter? How you doing, brother? Um, good, man. I'm, um, Living the dream, but the dream is busy. How about you? <laughs> that is true, man. Yeah, you've been. Uh, I know you've been grinding and hustling um, with your camps, right? Yeah, we got two more to go. Um, just got back. Just started packing for the next one. So it's wow. good, man. So you were just out here on the East Coast, weren't you? Yeah, is that where you're at? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in Virginia. Oh yeah, we were right by you. We were up in. Um, southern pennsylvania okay cool it was cool it was beautiful weather uh it was greener than it is here i thought it, i didn't know i thought it would be maybe uh similar weather but no it was like springtime man and it was awesome oh, yeah. i was in a t-shirt for most of the time i loved it nice yeah man it's pretty much spring over here um my wife is outside right now as we speak putting tomatoes in the ground Oh, that is legit, man. Yeah. Uh, my wife was doing, uh, I don't think she's put them in the ground yet, but she's definitely got her starter plants going, so. Yeah, sweet, man. Yeah, your wife's got a green thumb. Say again? Your wife's got the green thumb. Um, To be honest, uh -oh. not really. Uh-oh. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm proud of her. She's out there. Uh, she's got the gloves on. I think she's putting some eggplants and some tomatoes out there. So, yeah, it's a beautiful day here. What, are you elk hunting this year? I'm not elk hunting this year. So 
I have two hunts lined up. I got an antelope gig in Wyoming, and I'm going in late August to Kodiak Island. Blacktail. Oh my gosh! Now that's yeah, that's worth missing elk hunting a little bit. Not a lot, but a little. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll kind of get into this, but I'm sort of. Um, I'm relatively new to the Western hunting thing and I know I have a date with some elk in my future. It's in there, but I'm kind of in the saving up points, kind of learning, kind of holding off on it a little bit. That's smart. What do you think? Um, I mean, don't save them up too much. I mean, I tell guys to go every year, um, but you kind of have two ridiculous trips planned for a guy who lives in Virginia. So Obviously not this year, but if you weren't going on those, I'd be like, man, just go to Colorado over the counter and just get reps because the last thing you want to do is wait four years, draw a tag, and then suck at elk hunting. And it's just, you kind of have to, there is a, uh, there is an unforeseeable learning curve. Um, We try to tell guys that at camp, like, Hey man, like you got to define your expectations. It's probably not killing an elk your first go. And if you do, you probably got lucky. You, you might not do it two years in a row. And furthermore, um, define what success looks like for you. Like, is it 10 elk encounters? Is it shooting a cow your first year out, which is like awesome. Uh, yeah. so what state do you think you want to go to first? I don't know, man. Um, I got this year I'll have two points in Wyoming and two points in Montana. And then I just got this year, Nevada point and utah point so and a colorado point so probably montana i mean you're getting preference points yeah like bonus points yeah well bonus is for bonus and preference Well, yeah yeah i get them whatever but yeah whatever you're allowed to buy without entering the draw i just went ahead and started getting stuff for everywhere i could yeah um because again i can't even though i probably wouldn't draw this year i can't draw this year like i'm full i can't go anywhere else my wife would kill me so um so yeah i'm just kind of saving up points and uh i'm gonna play the play the long game but yeah i like what you're saying about just getting reps man that's that's smart yeah if you're actually buying preference points then go to montana for sure yeah and then the year you don't draw montana try to go to wyoming and if you don't draw wyoming then you just go to colorado with everybody else as long as they still have you know, unlimited over-the-counter tags, which my crystal ball shows that that's probably not going to be the way it is. But right. uh, I don't know. What's your uh, – do you have a day job or am I looking at it? No. So I work full-time for my church. Um, I, uh, I'm i in charge of our, like, online ministry. So I have a lot of flexibility in terms of working from home, which allows me to do stuff like this. Cool. Um, so, so, yeah, man. Yeah, I bet you had to step your game up last year with COVID. Yeah, actually, I started. I was I was working in television production, the Christian Broadcasting Network, for like seven years, and then I started the church right when COVID happened. So it was it's been an interesting year for hmm. sure. Yeah, it is, and it's still getting weirder. Like, um, just coming home from Pennsylvania, I've never seen Denver Airport that crowded ever, even pre-COVID. Really? Yeah, it was like insane, and. Um, all my uh, all my airplane rides, the last two camps have been completely full seats, uh, which as like wow. last year when we were doing camps in the middle of COVID, 
it wouldn't be uncommon to just have 20 of us on an airplane, which was nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think they're, I think they got their head down and they are mass Nazis on the plane. Like they are super, um, it's, it's a little annoying, but I mean, at least we're traveling. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Alaska last year also, and we flew like in like, you know, the height of it pretty much. And, uh, we had to get tested to get going to the state and all that stuff. And my buddy, we had a scare. My buddy got a false positive test like two days before we were leaving. Sounds about right. uh, (laughs) It was terrible, but yeah, he was fine. And, um, anyway, it was crazy, but we got airfare super cheap. That was one good thing about it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I bet you did. Um, well, anyway, man, um, I do want to say welcome to the show. You're one of the guys that I've wanted to have on here for a long time, ever since I kind of got the idea to start this little project. Um, you've been a huge inspiration to me, kind of in my journey, um, listening to guys like you, uh, just talking about being serious in terms of health and uh, fitness and um, how that you know translates, translates into hunting. And uh, just for guys who might not know, um, I don't want to go like super into your background cause I think people probably have heard of you, but just tell us a little bit about what you kind of do with the elk shape camps and what you've been up to lately. Yeah. So I run elk shape. Um, it is a, basically a, a website and a podcast and a YouTube channel and social media and then grassroots camps. So we kind of got a like little platforms here and there. Um, just trying to help people crush the elk hunting learning curve all the while leverage that sucker to create more personal development in their life. Um, I would say that most of the, most of my effort is probably these camps in the beginning of the year. And then I graduate more into, um, like digital content creation. And then I also have another thing I do called the elk collective, which is, um, like an online, virtual elk hunting course and it's all video driven. So we're always, um, but it's actually kind of nice cause that we film a lot of the stuff we do at elk shape camps and I have a lot of help at my camps. It's just not me up there the whole time. So yeah. I bring a lot of friends and a lot of different subject matter experts, uh, at every camp it changes too. And, uh, we film a lot of that stuff and that stuff goes on the elk collective. So, that the content's kind of always being updated, which I think is important. And it's all video driven with good audio and good visuals. So you can watch it or at least listen to it while you're doing other things or pretending to work. And uh, there's no reading. And uh, that's kind of, that was the vision. It's not an app, so it is online. You got to be online with the internet connection to access it. But yeah, so all that. And I'm also just... Most importantly, um, faith family first. So, uh, I got two little ones, six and four boy, girl, and my wife puts up with my travel schedule and I work with a lot of different companies in elk shape. And so, yeah, man, I'm always doing something. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love that about you. Well, yeah, man, I can tell, uh, you're just kind of a natural teacher. Like, you know, before we kind of got going, you were just sort of, you were already trying to figure out how you could help me get in the elk thing, man. So that's, that's awesome. Um, and you talk a lot about leveraging, you just mentioned it, leveraging hunting uh, for self-improvement and, you know, like why hunting is more than just like a hobby. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, most guys that uh, 
that I come across or want to have success in the mountains when they go elk hunting. And I get that. I understand that. Um, but it's not going to come easy. It never will come easy. And so it just, I guess it's, if you're really just kind of interested in elk hunting, you need to understand that success rate is going to be 10%. And if you're committed to elk hunting, your success rate could be upwards of 90%. The difference is obviously is a 365 day approach. So it's not for everybody. Like uh, straight up, you could pick up a rifle. You don't have to be in shape and you could go to a good area and get an elk killed every year. And there's guys that do that. And uh, I tip my hat to them. And then there's guys like me that kind of just don't have a lot of talent to rest on. So you just got to outwork the competition. And the competition is really yourself and matching wits with an elk on public land. And I love that. But I will say that uh, all in all, elk hunting is probably boiled down to a gift in my opinion like it's an actual gift and if you get it and you love chasing bugles and it just something that you think about way too often why not leverage it so other things in your life elevate and that's kind of the formula that I've found is like I'm married I have kids I have bills all that kind of stuff but there's not a day that doesn't go by that I'm not thinking about September I don't know why. I just love it. I can't get enough of it. Super addicted to elk hunting. The end. And so if I'm going to be kind of paranoid every day as far as like, am I getting better or am I getting worse? Then we can take that energy, that energy and make it a positive. We can kind of be stressed out that, hey, I need to break a sweat today because the elk don't get a day off and I don't want my physical fitness or my mental toughness to get in the way of me getting an elk. Um, the same goes for at home. Like, uh, I'm sure thinking a lot about my selfish pursuits in September, have I thought much about what my wife is interested in and what is her September and, and how can I, I wouldn't say act interest. I'd say show interest into her things (laughs) and make some, you know, take it on the chin a little bit and do some of her stuff. And so that's not all about me. Same with the kids, like leaving little ones behind. Um, and I don't elk hunt for 10 days or 14 days. Like um, I just posted something on Instagram yesterday that I've been hunting for, I'm going on my 20th year and my average is probably close to 30 days a season, archery mm-hmm. elk in September. So that's a lot of time in the field. And so that's a lot of time away from the family. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm really like, it's on my radar, man. So like, I try to sit down and schedule things with the with the family and that uh, make some sacrifices. So I don't shed hunt anymore like I used to. Like I would be shed hunting last weekend, this week, nonstop until spring bear and turkey open up. And then I'll be doing that nonstop. And so I kind of put turkey hunting on ice and just do bear hunting. Um, and instead of doing like a bunch of fun scouting trips in the summer, I usually don't get, I don't scout. I usually don't go to places and scout. I e-scout, um, but I don't scout to where I'm going elk hunting. I usually rely on e-scouting um, so I can do family trips. And so like that's all being intentional. And it took me a while to kind of figure it out. But quite honestly, I don't want to get divorced over elk hunting. And that's a real thing with someone who hunts as much as I do. Uh, so I just figured that, 
man, I could probably show people some of my best practices. Also let them know that I certainly do not have it all figured out. I'm still learning about elk hunting. I'm still learning about the impacts of elk hunting on business, family, faith, all that stuff. So, um, at the end of the day, Hunter, like I come out of the woods in September, a better man, like a better version of Dan. And I need that time with the creator. I need that time to like be still and be away from my cell phone, away from Instagram, away from emails, away from an internet connection and just kind of be wild. And, uh, so I, I leverage everything so that that goes smoothly. Yeah. Awesome, man. It's kind of like that, um, that constant goal that's like there it's every year. It doesn't like end. It's just like constant goal, you know? Yeah. I haven't killed an elk in 2021. So the slate's wiped clean. And if I look back at my past success, the clues were hard work and discipline. And so that's all I know. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, one thing I also love about you is you are a man of faith and you're not ashamed of it. Um, but I do want to probably dig into that a little more maybe than you have on other podcasts and stuff like that. I'd love to hear your testimony, man. Like, um, you know, what's, what's your spiritual journey been like? Okay. Well, I have, um, I have my buddy Jeff who comes to all my elk shape camps. He does the fiscal fitness side of things. So yeah, we cover money at elk shape camps. Uh, and he kind of, he's been my financial go-to guy, um, I've been a Dave Ramsey guy for a really long time. And actually, we got to the point where we were like, pay off everything before I'm 40. And I turned 40 this summer. And got to the position where we could do that. I mean, not without sacrifice. Didn't happen overnight. Been working on this since I was 27. So just so everybody knows, that's like true delayed gratification. And he started help, like giving me some different ideas and I started figuring out like, oh, yeah, if I pay this house off, I still owe property tax and insurance. I still have a payment of 500 bucks a month and the house is paid off. So he kind of helped flip the script a little bit on like the house you live in isn't really an asset because you're always living in it. Like you're not getting – I mean, sure, it's appreciating. but uh, And so he's been awesome and integral at all our camps to like help people – because elk hunting is expensive, Hunter. Like, it costs you time, costs you money, like the commodities, energy, and time away from your family. And so I always have him like introduce me at camps to uh, before I get up there, and I tell him, "Hey, Jeff, let these guys know that I am pretty intense, and that it's coming from a place of love. But I'm like, we don't have a lot of time with these guys. We have three days." And I'm going to be firing at all cylinders and I'm going to just, I have an agenda. I want to have a lot of boxes checked when we're done and I don't, you know, I won't slow down. And so he gets up there and that's a long segue, but it's important. And and I have him tell him like, Hey, Dan's going to be hard on you, but it's all good. Like this is how he, this is how he coaches. And he also loves Jesus. Like he puts faith first, but you may hear, you may hear the F word come out of his mouth. And, um, and it's true. I'm trying not to swear on your podcast, but I'll use profanity. It doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. Um, if I don't go to church, it doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. If, if I don't tell everybody and everything I do that, uh, Philippians four, you know, three, six, uh, 
4.16 or 3.16 or no, John 3.16 and Philippians 4.13 and like Roman, if I don't name all these verses in my post, am I not a Christian? And so I've, I will tell you, like I, my faith is probably maybe different than some and some people can relate and some people might be like, whatever. But at the end of the day, I think it's all about where your heart's at. And I think if you have a hard heart, you're going to have a hard time knowing Jesus. I think if you can pray for a soft heart, one that has compassion and love and one that um, can forgive others, especially the ones that are hard to forgive and love others, the ones that are the hardest to love, like you're doing Jesus things. And so, you know, faith and spirituality is a ebb and flow. Like there's going to be days or weeks where you're on fire, you're digging into the, the, the word the Bible, and you're going to be getting fed. And then there's going to be other times where it's a relationship that you have neglected and you're going to just be caught up in this world and this world will try to consume you with busyness. We're all guilty of it. And so I understand all that. But at the end of the day, boiled down, I know that I am saved and that this world is temporary. And I know that there is more than this world. And there's more than just paying my house off. There's more than the next sponsorship check or the next check from an elk-shaped camp or the next check from a cell of my gym. You know what I mean? Like money comes and goes. That's not – I'm not a money chaser. Um, So I tell people at camp I'm a time chaser. I want to be able to do the things I want to do. I want to spend as much time with my family. I want to spend as much time in the elk woods. The end. So – When I tell people my testimony, it's more or less this. When I was six years old, my dad was a pastor um, at a very small community church. So I was raised in a Christian home. We we prayed. There There was talks of about all this kind of stuff. But my parents were always like, it's your journey. And I was at a, um, some sort of convention thing in a small town USA where I remember this dude was on a stage. Now remember I'm six and he was spitting fire about how he had been in jail most of his life and he had done a lot of bad things and how he had been saved. And he just put it on my heart right then there and, and basically did like a call to action right there. Like who's with me, who wants to live their life for Jesus. And I remember being six and accepting Christ in my heart right then and there. And I also remember nice. from about age 6 to 12, somewhere in there, so many episodes of talking to God, praying to God, hearing God, not actual voices, but like just having things happen that I just prayed about, small things, tiny things. And so much so that I know that it wasn't my imagination. Like I was like, this God is real and was fortunate to in high school do some young life stuff and young life is a non-denominational youth ministry at high schools Mm -hmm. and still was a high school punk. You can, I mean, total jerk, partier, womanizer, et cetera, just, you know, but, um, that life, you know, that young life really kind of kept me from doing even more dumb things and always kind of brought me back. And, um, so much so that I actually became a young life leader out of high school for a few years and um, always knew that I wanted to um, meet a woman who wanted faith first and then our relationship and was able to do that luckily and met my wife Alicia 
And now we're just doing our best to, to keep God first. Um, it's not easy. It's especially in this world and not be ashamed, um, at all. In fact, this last camp we ended, I had to say, I had 30 guys in a room and I said, Hey, we're leaving goodbye, but I'm going to do a quick prayer in this other room. If anyone wants to join me, I'm just going to do a quick little prayer. And Jeff and I, Bynum went in there and the entire camp came into that tiny room. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And we're able to pray with these guys. Um, they were with me all weekend. They saw how intense I was. They heard a few F-bombs. And so I just keep it real, man. Like, I am who I am. If you don't like me, unfollow. And I get all my strength from Christ. And I know that I fall short every day, almost on the hour. And I need his grace, his blood to wash me clean. And... That's my testimony, man. That's where I'm at in this world. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing. I'd never heard that. I didn't know you were a pastor's kid. Well, yeah, for a while. Yeah. My dad actually got a real job. I say real job, but I mean like away (laughs) from the church. And uh, when I was eight years old, and he hasn't been in the ministry per se since then. But yeah, growing up, I mean, he went to Bible school. My mom did too. And... They did that thing for a while. I think they just had too many kids, and they were pastors in such a small church that we were like dirt floor poor, man. And I think at some point he just had to be make a decision to go like get a job that could yeah, provide. No, I hear you. So, have there been any times that you can think of that stand out, whether it be in the backcountry or just in business or in life, where um, you really had to fall back on your faith, and it was just like just something really tangible helped to you in your life? Uh, I mean, look, man, I think all our decisions we run through, you know, we prayfully consider all those big decisions. Um, I made a decision to open a gym. That was a lot of prayful consideration. Uh, didn't take a paycheck the first year opened up. Uh, 11 years later, I made a decision that took a lot of prayer to sell the gym and to go into elk shape full time, you know? Um, so we just try to not steer. We try to keep our hands off the wheel. Um, yeah. we definitely lean on our own strength too much. If I was being, um, super straightforward, which I'm probably guilty of all the time is, yeah, you can't under- lean on your own understanding and it's very seductive to do that. But at the end of the day, we can't do that. Like, we just got to live by, you know, our faith and and honestly trust that God's got the best plan for us. Um, And since we do that, we can't be ashamed to let others know, like, that's where we get our strength. That's where we, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, you're living by faith. And, um, yeah, I love that what you said about just being real. I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, sure, yeah, you want to be careful about language and stuff. But, I mean, like you can get to a point where you're just completely being pharisaical about it, you know, just like rules of men, just like Jesus kind of got mad at the Pharisees for doing. But, um, and we have a similar story, man. I I was involved in young life and stuff like that too. So that's cool, man. But, um, I don't know. I see a ton of like parallels. I'm sure you thought about this before between like physical and spiritual fitness. Like, um, how do you, how do you see spiritual fitness and physical fitness being similar? Discipline, the end. I mean, 
do I, I, it's just, you have to make it something that, uh, I mean, if it's important to you, you'll do it. So like just today coming back from being out of town for five days is like, get up before everybody, get the coffee started. Don't check Instagram, check the Bible gram and get on the Bible, you know, and dig oh, in and it's 10 minutes get be still and then the coffee's ready and then start your day so we like literally that was 10 minutes with intentional time th- with somebody who created the heavens and the earth and knows how many hairs are on your head and and you gave them 10 minutes of the beginning of your day i mean it's not that impressive if you think about it it's really not that impressive at all like but um it's important and then working out the same thing as far as like you're going to have days where you just it didn't happen or days that you just you ate like crap. Um, you can get back on the bandwagon the next day or you can build snowball effects that basically cause destruction disaster in your fitness. So uh, you just need to have discipline. You need to have accountability. And I wouldn't count on yourself to keep you accountable. You just got to have some trustworthy peers, men, your wife, whatever. Um, and just know that at some point you might, you might just get caught up in things that aren't really that important and you might have to take a step back. And fortunately we've got a lot of grace, a lot of patience from, uh, from God. And, um, somebody once said that, you know, if we could just understand how much God loves us, you know, we would change a lot of our behavior. And for me, Hunter, I started to see a glimpse of his love when I started having kids. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. how much I love. I mean, I love my wife. Yes. Don't get it twisted. Our marriage is, is the most important thing next to faith and then the kids. But when you start having kids and you can't describe that this love that you have for them, it does give you a glimpse into his love for us. Do you feel me? Totally, man. Totally. And too many people have a, image of God of as like an angry like rule master who like if you drop an F-bomb he's just going to slap you with a lightning bolt or something you know when in reality God's a loving father and he wants the best for us he wants us to live our dreams he wants us to live fulfilled lives I would have got struck by lightning about 137 times yesterday man (laughs) I love it I love it um so I know you said, and, and you're talking too about, you know, snowballing and going off the rails and stuff like that. And I feel like that kind of all or nothing thinking is such a, a weapon, a tool that the enemy uses. Like, it's like, uh, you didn't pray today, so you might as well just go, I don't know, watch HBO for three hours, Hell's Box Office, um, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But, uh, but and like you're saying too, I know like, you know, you're you're very real and, you know, like you're saying, you might have some days where you're not living to the ideal you shoot for, but in a perfect world, you know, what would your spiritual fitness, not like something you're just making up, but like something that you basically try to attain to, what does your spiritual fitness kind of program look like? Um, well, I have some things that we're not doing that I would love to do. I'd love to have a Bible study with a couple or another couple and my wife together. That would be really cool. That would be beneficial for us. We're not doing that. But that to me, that would look like um, almost more important than going to church. Like to me, faith relationship with Christ is not 
religious. It's not um, a checkbox. Like Sunday, we went to church. Okay, cool. Finally, we have the rest of our day. Like to me, that no. Like I, w- I want to go to church to get fed spiritually. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to get in the word to get fed. And when I get into the word, and this is just my take, like I do tend to stick with the super basic stuff, like kind of kind of New Testament, pretty much straight into gospels. Like I am fascinated with how Jesus conducted his business day to day. You know, um, I understand his miracles, you know, but when you really like sit down and dig in on that stuff, like there's just countless tales and stories and depictions of him just showcasing you know it's the image of god like showing us like kind of the standard Mm. and showing us like the pitfalls of being human and how to overcome that and uh so to me i think and i can't talk for anyone else for me it's kind of making that the very first thing you do in the morning and to be still and be quiet. So I don't, um, I don't know if that works for other people. Um, one of the, one of the churches I've gone to for a long time called it PBJ. I don't know what other people call it, but it's prayer Bible and journal. And I don't journal, but I have in the past and I do like that. But, um, I think that comes with maturity and your faith and journaling is just a nice way to kind of basically do the highlights of what, what you're going through and and what you're working on. And then you can look back and see how things are going. And if you can't really measure it, you can't really manage it. And that probably pertains to faith as well as fitness. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Stillness has been a big, a big thing for me. And a lot of guys I feel like don't practice that. And it is a practice just like any other workout or whatever, like, you're going to suck at it at first, but you just practice it and you get better. And, um, and like you're saying too, man, Jesus is God and the son of God, the Messiah, but he's also the standard we're supposed to live up to. A lot of people I think don't look at Jesus that way, but, um, I like that perspective. Um, has, has elk hunting taught you anything about faith or has faith taught you anything about elk hunting? Um, you know, I'm not the guy on the mountain praying to God to get me an elk, to be honest with you. I might have done that in the past, <laughs> but <laughs> that's because I really just sucked at elk hunting. But, um, <laughs> I do think that, uh, there are days elk hunting now where, dude, I could be out in his creation and being quiet and still and reflecting and things are going great. And then there's other stretches where I'm trying so hard to kill an elk that there could be five days go by and I haven't thought once about God. And I'm standing in the middle of his freaking wilderness, mountain lakes, alpine peaks, undisturbed. And it's like, whoa, hold up, man. You're a pretty lucky cat to be doing this right now. You better uh, you better recognize. So I think that, uh, yeah, all in all, for me, faith is just something that in the mountains especially, it's super easy to recognize that you're nothing. You are yeah. dust in the wind, man. And um, God's a higher power and uh, it's almost, I don't know what the right word is, Hunter, but it's just like 
it could freak you out if you thought about how complex this world is and and yet this creator wants to have a relationship with you out of the billions of people that have been on this planet earth past present going forward yeah man for sure um so switching gears a little bit that's all awesome stuff man thanks for sharing all all your faith journey and stuff with me appreciate it um so okay this is a big kind of shift but i do want to talk about something a little bit with you which is nutrition um something that a lot of guys don't maybe spend as much time on like uh, i think uh maybe it's more flashy to talk about training or whatever um but you know our bodies are our vessel into the mountains they're also the temple of the holy spirit what you put in your body is huge so what is like your kind of taking it from a 10,000 level view like just basic philosophy on nutrition and then maybe we can boil it down a little bit more from there but what's kind of like your 10,000 foot view of nutrition uh eat meats vegetables nuts seeds some fruit little starch zero sugar from greg glassman uh meats is the things that you can kill with your with your weapon so hopefully fish poultry chicken turkey uh wild game and then beef and then pigs or whatever if you're into that um so meat's (laughs) a pretty important part of the diet uh, for just all the vitamins, minerals, the things that allow us to be sturdy and have structural integrity, uh, for lack of a better term, because everything you eat turns into what you are and how you feel and how you feel about yourself. Uh, vegetables, so eat a rainbow a day, variety, very colorful plates, food encounters that have lots of colors is a good thing. Um Fruits and nuts and seeds, all that stuff for good healthy fats. Fats that uh, help transport nutrients. Fats that don't make you fat. So fat is uh, not a bad thing. Fruits are just your natural quality sugars that break down fast. Uh, Some starches is going to be, you know, complex, break down slow, help sustain energy, you know, quinoa, sweet potato, yam. That type of thing, all your squashes, not pasta, not wheat pasta, not wheat bread, not bagels, donuts, all those good, delicious things. Um, (laughs) The zero sugar is really hard to do too, especially in this day and age. A lot of people drink a lot of sugar. They add sugar to their coffee or their frou-frou drinks at coffee shops and um, juices and sugars uh, throughout the day and energy drinks and whatnot. And just drinking calories in general is just terrible practice. And most people don't even drink enough water really, to be honest with you. And so they hold on to a lot of water and, um, yeah. So nutrition to me is kind of the one thing that will dictate your vibe and the vibe you're putting out could be one at a high, like high octane running on all cylinders and squeezing all the juice out of life. And the other ones are just barely getting through the day, up and down energy, very lethargic afternoons, get home, not very motivated, not feeling it, and um, can succumb to the weakness of taking it easy, taking the lowest road possible, relaxing, resting on your laurels, 
so yeah, nutrition and training when they they're pretty well married. I find that most people that are most people that are eating really well and clean can also stay pretty consistent training. And then there's a few people that stay fairly consistent training, but they don't eat as well as they could. And so they struggle to see efficient results that are sustainable. And then there's people that just don't do either. And that's fine, but I don't know how they would, you know, be able to like for elk hunting, go hunt their hardest on day 10 as they did on day one just to make it a hunting example. So yeah, nutrition is like, and it's honestly like my least favorite thing to talk about at camps, like, because it it is more fun to talk about the flashy training styles and methodologies, but nutrition is the one thing that probably makes up more of your results than training. And I didn't design it that way. God did. So it's like, talk to him because I wish you could out train (laughs) your diet because I would be all about that. Uh, but you cannot, unfortunately, even with a fast metabolism, it will catch up with you eventually. Yeah, I totally found that, man. Uh, I didn't really st- start seeing real results until I really started watching when I was eating and stuff. Um, but uh, so like we were talking about earlier, um, I I know I have a date with destiny with some elk in my future. Uh, 2021 is not the year that I'm chasing elk. I, like I said, I got um, this Kodiak Island gig and then going to Wyoming to do an antelope hunt. So um Elk is not on the menu, so to speak, this year. But uh, I think there might be some other guys in my boat, too, that know that they, they want to get into elk hunting at some point. And it might be a year to two out. Are there some things that guys, you know, other than just kind of general fitness, that guys can start building into their daily routine or, you know, even their training plan or whatever? Uh, or even like it's maybe it's more specific elk hunting type skills um, that, you know, you could benefit from starting a year to two years out, you know, to kind of improve your success down the road. Okay. Yeah. So if you're thinking about elk hunting and you, you don't have a plan to do it yet, I would encourage you to go every year, even if it's a lousy over the counter tag and it's going to be crowded and not that good at elk hunting. At least you'll be out there getting reps with all the things the things like finding places to camp, backpacking, gear, which gear is expensive, which gear you don't need, uh, packing your food and, and knowing how to, to eat for performance and eat enough and where to get water. And then, oh yeah, elk behavior and finding elk, which is the crux of elk hunting. And then, oh my gosh, like dealing with hunting pressure, dealing with predators, uh, dealing with wildfires and um, all sorts of getting lost you know getting turned around and being afraid of the dark and getting homesick and all that kind of stuff there's a lot that you can't practice unless you get there to the arena and step foot in like so it's one thing to be in the in the crowd as a spectator and it's a whole nother thing to get on stage and enter the arena so to speak so I would say go don't uh, don't wait too long, um, and once you get going on that, get try to go consecutively either to the same general areas and learn more country, or 
wanderlust, but make sure that you're putting yourself in a position to where you can hit it hard. Give yourself as much time as possible. When elk hunting, um, time and getting an elk killed go hand in hand. So the more time you have, the better. And as far as like, okay, I'm not going to be able to go tell, like in your instance, you can't go for this year, but you could go next year. Okay, well, that gives you lots of time to do the internet researching on states, their draw processes, pay attention to their allocations as far as tags, uh, their reports on their elk harvest, hunter numbers, how many hunters per square mile per 100 miles, uh, average bull kill, is it a six point, is it a five point? Um, Each state's got little nuances. Some states, it's a four point minimum. Some states you can shoot spike only, cow only, and then other, you know, it's unit to unit, state by state. Some states have really crazy regulations. You got to have proof of sex on your largest piece of meat. So that would be a hind quarter. You got to keep a, if you shot a bull, you got to have a testy attached, man. Um, (laughs) Crossing state lines. A lot of states, CWD, you got to have that brain removed. You can't have, you know, like... I'm not going to lie. It's convoluted. It's confusing. Um, but you have two years to start really narrowing where you, the areas you want to go. You can go into e-scouting with Google earth and on X and try to figure out where you're going to go and plan a through Z, not a through D a through Z. And and these are pretty detailed plans of where you're going to hike in and where you're going to get water and where you're going to bugle from, where you're going to glass from, uh, at home when it comes to your weapon, like most elk I've killed, I've been, I've had a backpack on when I shot them and a bino harness and a high heart rate and big boots on. So why are you practicing in your backyard and flip flops and a t-shirt at 20 yards and you're an all-star, you need to go take your target, go find some different terrain undulation, get your heart rate elevated, throw a backpack on and see what your true effective range is. Um, and work on your shot process. If you have target panic, and if you don't even know what target panic is, chances are you have it. And work on shooting a controlled shot process. And do your research on your equipment. What's the best arrow selection for an elk and a fixed broadhead? Which one? How do you tinker to make sure? I mean, dude, there is always something to be doing every day in the name of better elk hunting. So it's not, and that's what I like about elk hunting. Hear me out. It's not one of those things where you can just kind of pick up your bow the day before out of the case blow the dust off and think you're going to go at it and get all of it. You could have got out of it. That's not how it works. Uh, so there's, there's work to be done. There's due diligence to be performed. Yeah, man, it's a never ending cycle. And that's, um, like I said, it's a never ending goal. So that's, that's cool, man. Um, you mentioned some training stuff. Um, so I live, in completely flat coastal plain. Um, I know probably physically the best way to train for the mountains is load up your pack and go hit the mountains. Uh, just not really an option for me. Um, do you have some tips for guys for training for the mountains who don't live anywhere near a mountain? Yeah. So, uh, a lot of elk live out West above 7,000 feet. So like in, there's places in Colorado where tree line stops and, The elk are right above it feeding as their primary food source. So if you're coming from Virginia 
and you think you're just going to show up in good shape and, and not have altitude take an effect on you, you're wrong. I live not very high. I live out west, but I'm only at 2,500 feet, and I'm in very good fitness shape, and I have a lot of reps in the mountains, and I still get affected by altitude. I always get a headache. I always show up hydrated, and it doesn't matter. And so you have to kind of work your way up the mountain. So I would say, number one, altitude is a thing, and you're going to have to either get to your hunt early and or slowly work your way up in elevation um, so you don't get things that make you possibly die from altitude sickness, like literally get your lungs filled up with blood. So um, you said physical fitness. Well, don't show up to elk camp with an additional weight vest on. So hear me out. Like I got a weight vest in my garage gym. It's 20 pounds. I weigh 160. And when I throw that 20 pound weight vest on running, step ups, pull ups, push ups, everything gets way harder and it's only extra 20 pounds. But that's the stress I'm trying to add on, right? I'm trying to add a stress. So I do it through a weight vest. If you show up to elk camp, with an extra 20 pounds of body fat that you don't need, like you've basically decided to hunt with a 20 pound weight vest on, or some instances a 30 or a 40 or 50 pound weight vest, plus your pack, you're not going to have as an enjoyable time on day three, four, and five or whatever. So have a purpose for every pound on your body. Uh, So you have to look at your nutrition. You'll have to look at You'll have to measure it and you'll have to be, you know, making some steps to shrink fat cells, quite honestly. Um, Every once in a while, we'll meet a couple like meatheads that want to elk hunt and they're just super jacked. I kind of used to be one. I used to walk around a 185, um, basically just power lifted and bodybuilded. And I think looking back, I was pretty soft. Like you couldn't see my abs. I didn't see them. And that's a lot of muscle. That's a lot of muscle to feed when you're trying to hike that needs oxygen. And so that can wear you down as well. So like I would put aesthetics on the back burner and focus on performance and having a purpose for every pound on your body. As far as the meat and potatoes of, well, what does that look like training wise? There's no substitute for a backpack and going up and over downfall, mountains, downhills, uphills, elevation gains, losses, Certainly, but I wouldn't rely on that entirely. I would definitely look at finding out what you suck at the most. Like a lot of guys we meet at these elk shape camps are really good at running. Like they, they run. And then when I bring them in to the gym and we introduce CrossFit type stuff, functional fitness, high intensity, hit training, circuit training, whatever you want to call it, we crush them. Um, if we bring somebody into the gym who just does bodybuilding and focuses on buys and tries and bench, uh, skips leg day, repeat, uh, they get crushed. And so I think you got to be honest with yourself and be like, all right, look, are my workouts like truly working the entire body like the mountains do? Are they semi uncomfortable? with performing or executing like are you kind of under duress and fatigue and uh, do you feel like quitting because that's what elk hunting feels like 
So I think people just need to be honest with the, what like their training methodology is. And yeah, man, I used to own a CrossFit gym. So obviously I still like a lot of the CrossFit stuff, but I definitely think there's a, a mix of rucking, running, sprinting, lifting, and functional fitness where if you can blend it up in a, in a blender and, and come out with kind of some concoction of well-balanced approach, I think you'll be way better served in the mountains. Well, cool, man. Um, is, I don't know. Is there anything like else that you might want to mention or talk about? I do podcasts all the time, so I try not to ramble on. Um, I don't know. I think, I think people know me as an elk hunter, pretty diehard elk hunter, but I like all hunting. I'll do anything to be in the mountains or be chasing game. I love getting close to animals. I love bow hunting specifically. Uh, so spring bear is just around the corner. Actually it opens April 15th in my neck of the woods. I won't be able to go this year until in May, but spring bear, uh, antelope hunting, dude, uh, antelope, antelope meat is terrible. Nobody, nobody go antelope hunting, save them all for me. (laughs) Uh, I like antelope meat better than anything. So antelope hunting, I actually quit hunting high alpine mule deer in the velvet just so I can have a chance to get antelope in my freezer every year that's how much i love their meat um nice mule deer i like hunting them in the rut in places you can do that with a bow there's not very many most most are rifle game but uh, there's a few states that allow that uh, i love whitetail hunting in my home state i nice. love sitting tree stands for whitetail that doesn't get old so i mean like i'm not just an elk hunter man i like all sorts of bow hunting i just like getting close to animals man nice yeah, I, I applied for a buck and a doe tag in Wyoming just because I want to stack some meat, man. I mean, meat is a huge factor of why I hunt, you know? Yeah, and honestly, I've killed both. I've killed antelope tastes the same regardless if it's a male or female. Um, yeah. And I always have an either-sex tag usually when I go antelope hunting. And if I'm getting down to the last couple of days, I'm shooting whatever. I want antelope on the menu. Yeah, I've heard uh, blacktail, Sitka blacktail is some of the best venison on the planet, too. I don't know. Have you tried it? I guess you'll better find out for both of us. Um, I killed (laughs) one in California. I killed a a blacktail in California a long time ago, maybe eight years ago. And I was super disappointed in how much meat I didn't get off that thing. They are tiny uh, and Mm. they are delicious. So, yeah. If, if they could give like seven or eight tags, that'd be pretty sweet. I'd like to get them all filled and stack the freezer. How many can you kill in Alaska? In Alaska, you can get up to three tags. Are you going to get three tags? Um, debating two or three just from a meat because it's going to be in August. And if you start getting to three, you start coming against the time in terms of meat spoilage and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if I'm going to get two or three at this point. I wonder if you could... Um well, you have bears to contend with too, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll rent a bear fence. Um, I'm not too worried about it, but uh, what were we going to say? I was going to say, I wonder if there's like contractor bags and stashing them in creeks, like actually yeah, submerging so, them. Yeah, we'll be flying into an alpine lake. So I had thought about that actually. I didn't think about wrapping it in a contractor bag. That's smart. That's very smart. I don't know. I mean... It'd be nice to have that meat problem of like, okay, I got three down. How am I going to do this? Get the pilot out or whatever. But 
you'll get it figured it's out. It's a good problem to have, and apparently there's lots of blacktail on on Kodiak, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, man, um, tell folks where they can find you if they want to hear more about uh, about your message and your camps and all that stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'm um pretty much everything is elk shape. So websites, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube podcasts um camps we're pretty much done for this year i got two left so 2022 we're gonna do less camps but they're gonna be bigger and i'm just gonna bring more people to help me do them so like this next week gosh we're going to colorado i have phil mendoza who's a really good archery coach joel turner very good archery coach dirk durham uh jermaine hodge phenomenal world-class elk callers my financial guy jeff um a couple of guys a couple strength coaches coming in to help uh i'm forgetting somebody so like we have this huge camp but i have like 10 instructors and we feel like that's the that's the way to do it then i don't have to travel as much so i think we're looking at doing super camps in 2022 just bigger camps more of an experience three days so We'll get that figured out before elk season and get that stuff up there. And those things sell out. So if you're interested in shortening the elk hunting learning curve, be on the lookout for 2022 elk shape camps. And if you're an elk hunter and you want to learn, go to the elkcollective.com. I mean, that is, that's what, good luck watching all the videos. There's just too many. You should just watch a little bit every day and get those nuggets from a bunch of different elk hunters, not just one. Yeah. Awesome, man. Are you going to do another uh, camp out east somewhere? I'd like to, um, just one though. I hate traveling to the East coast, man. Matter of fact, last three or four weeks ago, we, it was daylight savings. We were on Eastern time and we had a start time at 7am, which ended up being realistically like 3am my time with the daylight. I was super grumpy about that. So, uh, if, if I'm on the Pacific time zone, man. So we like, we're always behind y'all and we like it. So <laughs> it, it, I think Pennsylvania, we might come back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That was a pretty phenomenal okay. camp. And, and they got the capacity to do 50 athletes. So it would be cool. Cool, man. Well, man, I really appreciate your time. Like I said, you've been a big inspiration to me. So I, uh, I've enjoyed talking to you, man. And uh, I really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Good to get to know yeah. you and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks again for listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast and make sure you stay up to date on social media at the Hunter's Quest on Instagram and the Hunter's Quest podcast on Facebook and we'll have all kinds of photos and videos from my day-to-day as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're having on here. As always, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys if you have questions about hunting or spiritual stuff or gear, fitness, Whatever, just drop me a line in my DMs or you can email me at hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating and a review. That's really helpful. And don't forget to share with your friends. So stay tuned. Lots of cool stuff in the works. And I'm really excited to continue this quest together. Mm